What is up, ambitious listeners? We are back. One of the longest hiatuses in this uh, podcast's history. Uh, life has been insane since the NFL draft ended and with school and life and everything. Needed a little time off. And that time off came in the form of the little hiatus. And now we are back and we are coming at you with a two consecutive Georgia quarterback weeks in the next two weeks. First one this week is Taquan Marshall. Many know him from being one of the top ACC football players just a few years ago from 2015 to 2018. He tore it up at Georgia Tech en route to a couple NFL opportunities, some spring league opportunities where he's bounced and been kind of a Taysom Hill type quarterback, wide receiver, maybe a little running back I mentioned in the interview. But uh, he's been all over the place and he's got some incredible experiences to talk about. And some really crazy games. I mean, if you think back to this guy, he became a star overnight in that Chick-fil-A kickoff game. So we talk about all this. Great, great conversation with him. All of it after a word from our new presenting sponsor, Liquid IV. As we all reacclimate to the world around us and move out of that world of Zooms and roll out of bed, cup of coffee, onto a virtual link, and we need to get through our work days and get through our days in the classroom in the fall and punch through these hours that we're so used to being virtual and so used to being able to get up, make a cup of coffee, get up, go buy a sports drink. We need quick, sustainable energy on the go. And we need Liquid IV in our lives. I know personally talking about Liquid IV is something I'm very passionate about. This company came and we worked out and they sponsored me and they sent me product. And I, I tried it and I thought, you know, what, what could it do? It's just going to be like the other sports drinks. And when I tell you I promote this podcast and this or this product on this podcast because I truly believe in it and truly love it, that is Liquid IV. They sent me their Akai Berry drink, which is absolutely fantastic. It is not necessarily I thought would be in my wheelhouse, and I tried it, and it is delicious. Their lemon-lime tastes reminiscent of a Sprite without that sugar and all those calories, and instead, you get superior hydration and energy, and it even helps you with your workouts and focusing. It is absolutely fantastic, but my favorite flavor is the lemon ginger. It's almost like a cross between having a ginger ale, but also not as bitter and as uh, soda poppy as it, which is just absolutely spectacular. So for superior hydration, when you're on the go, you literally just have to get water, fill an ounce bottle. Uh, I go with more 24 ounces. That way you can have the flavor but still get that hydration from the water itself. And then you get four times the hydration, three times the hydration based on the packs. And they have coming out with more new flavors, a limited edition pear flavor that they just sent me. It is absolutely spectacular. Liquid IV is your go-to brand for healthy hydration on the go and superior energy production. You can go find Liquid IV wherever they come up for you on social medias. They are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter under Liquid IV, liquidiv.com, and you can shop for Liquid IV products. Just an absolutely phenomenally ran company, and they are our presenting sponsor. And now, back to the show. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest has got to be one of the most electric and versatile athletes to ever grace the mic on this podcast. He was a starter for Georgia Tech from 2015 to 2018. He's a Swiss Army knife, played some quarterback, wide receiver, maybe even some snaps at running back. Just an all-around beast. And he played some 
uh, professional football for the Blues in the Spring League, had a little bit of work with the Baltimore Ravens, Atlanta Falcons. He's been all over. Right now, he's coaching for TM Elite Performance and some 7-on-7. Ladies and gentlemen, high football IQ guy, incredible athlete, Taekwon Marshall. Taekwon, welcome to the show, my guy. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. But going back to the start of your career and diving a little bit right in here, um, where did you get started and when did you realize football was your passion? Um, well, I started at a young age. I probably started playing football at about four. Um, my parents told me that, you know, down here where I'm at in um, Harris County, which is outside of Columbus, you have to be five in order to play. Like, I guess the that's the youngest you can be. Or the, yeah, the youngest you can be to start playing flag football down here. And uh, my parents told me they took me out there when I was four and I was probably better than every kid out there. <laughs> but they told me I couldn't play just because I was too young. But um, I think that, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed the game growing up. I played a lot of different sports. I played basketball. I ran track. I loved baseball. Baseball was really my first love. Um, almost gave up football for baseball because I loved it so much. But I really really like really focused on football probably my ninth grade year going into my ninth grade year that's probably when I realized I was like okay I think I can play this at a high level mm-hmm. and the rest was history that's really cool so four years old and you were already schooling uh or you think you would have been schooling some of the five-year-olds and up. that's insane you were born to be an athlete I guess um Going on, I guess, from there, heading into high school, how was your high school football experience? I loved it. Where I'm from, it's a very small, it's a very small town. Everyone knows everyone. So uh, the Friday night lights deal, it, it was it was pretty huge for me when I was in high school. Um, on Friday nights, I mean, everyone in the county basically was at football games and it would be jam-packed. There would be tailgating. Um Anything you can imagine about Friday night lights football, uh, we we had it going on at my high school. So I, I really loved it. I have been playing with the same people since I, I have been in seventh grade. So we all just played together all throughout high school. Um, so our bond was was really good. We we knew how we we bonded on the field and off the field. So that chemistry is always good with that. So it, it was definitely a fun experience. I. I I wish a, a lot more people would be able to experience that Friday Night Lights feel in a small town because it's definitely dope. That's awesome. You've you played at Georgia Tech, which is a massive, massive college and a very, very renowned football school and sports school. Uh, in comparing, I guess, the two experiences, and we'll dive a little more into Georgia Tech in a little bit, but in comparing the experience of playing for a school like that versus playing in that small town Friday Night Lights atmosphere, is there a preference in which you kind of enjoyed more? Um, I wouldn't say there's a preference. Like, obviously, each one has their perks. Like, when you come from a, a small town, like, and in, in obviously, if you're good... Like you're basically the guy of the town, and um, and obviously we had a lot of good guys on the team. So like we were basically like the guys of the town when it came down to playing ball. Everyone knew us because of ball um, and how good we were and what we did accomplishments wise. And then of course you get to college where everyone that goes to basically everyone on the team was their guy at the school in high school, and you put a lot of those guys on one team, but 
Um, I think the atmosphere is just a little bit different. The fan, you, obviously, there's more fans. There's more people watching at times. So um, I don't necessarily have a preference, but I definitely enjoyed both of them for sure. Hmm. Well, that's very, very cool. Now, going from your high school experience before Georgia Tech, what was your recruiting process like coming out of high school? I would say it started off kind of slow. Like my sophomore year, I really thought it was going to be my year that I was going to like blow up and start getting a lot of offers. But um, they, it didn't really work out that way. Um, a lot of people that I knew were getting offers. And of course, I thought I was better than them. Um, maybe just wasn't in the right situation at the right time to get those offers. But um, a lot of guys were getting offers. So, you know, I I had an expectation for myself that I should be getting them too. Um, but it didn't work out that way. So my junior, going into my junior year, um, I had a phenomenal season playing quarterback. My, my sophomore year, I was splitting time. I was playing a little quarterback, but a lot of my time was spent playing receiver and defensive back. Um, so going into my junior year, I played a lot of – well, I played all quarterback. And then, of course, I played a little DB here and there, and then I caught punts and kickoff return. But um, – that's really when my recruiting process took off. December of right after the season in December, I played in an all-star game in Georgia called the Rising Seniors game, uh, where it's the best of the best in Georgia. Um, you, you're probably familiar with a lot of guys, the Roquan Smith, mm-hmm. Terry Godwins, Trent Thompson's, um, Parte Saps. I mean, Jonathan Ledbetter, the list goes on. They, I mean, they all played in that game. I'm cool with all of those guys. And after that game, it was either after that game, it might have been after. I'm pretty sure it was, or it could have been before. I'm not sure. I can't really remember. But I received my first offer from Duke, and then after that, my recruiting process just really just exploded. I think by the end of the next week, I probably had like 10 offers. Wow. As soon as after I got my first one, like by the next week, it was at least 10. And then after that, they just kept coming in and kept coming in. But then it gets to a point where it's kind of just stressful because you want to make the right decision for yourself and – you know, you have people tweeting at you saying, hey, come to my school. I think social media is a little bit different now than it was then, especially a part of the recruiting process. But, I mean, it still had a little bit of a role in it. But it it was it was fun. Like, you enjoy taking the visits. I enjoy taking the visits, going places with my boys, with my parents, just seeing different colleges, seeing different atmospheres. Um, so I, I definitely enjoyed the recruiting process, but it was also stressful at the times. Well, it's very, very cool and a very interesting experience given that you switched positions a little bit, but not necessarily, but you were the best. I would say it sounds like you were not necessarily the best athlete on the field for your high school, but to be quarterback, to be defensive back, to be returning punts and kickoffs. I mean, you were a superb athlete and still are based on everything you've did at Georgia Tech and have continued to do. And I think that's really, really cool to see that. All it took was that big break, and boom, the offer started flooding in. But you mentioned the stress of whether or not you made the right decision. Is there ever a point, um, looking back on your time at Georgia Tech, where you think back and go, well, maybe had I picked this school, things could have turned out different? Or are you, you know, looking back very, very happy with the decision you made to attend GT? I mean, I think that's a double-edged sword, um, because obviously if you look back, when I was at Tech, my career was very successful. Um, I hold a record there that will probably never be broken by a quarterback. Um, so 
if, if you look at that aspect of it, then and when you look back, you're like, well, you know, you did everything that you thought you could do or, you know, you did things that people didn't think you were going to be able to do while being at that school. And then you look at it in the perspective of like, okay, if I had to chose another school, would I have been playing quarterback? Probably not because the rest of the schools didn't recruit me a quarterback. And Georgia Tech really didn't either. They did a little bit, but it's more as an athlete. The rest of the schools recruited me as a DB or a receiver. So it's like, okay, put myself in those shoes. What could I have done with that? And where would I be now? Um, so I think it's just a double-edged sword because obviously I think you can look at it both ways. Like, hey, I look back at my tech career and I'm like, okay, I got one hell of an education that a lot of people can't say they have. And I got that in four years, but also I played on a very big stage and, you know, accomplished a lot of things. And then it's like, okay, if I had went to another school, could I potentially be in the league right now playing a different position? Like did the transition of the positions hurt me coming from a school that ran a triple option? I mean, it's just some, some things like that can, you just kind of, you can play in your head and you can be like, well, what if, but then you just are grateful for, well, I'm grateful for, you know, everything that happened and the way it played out because um, I'm able to do some of the things that I'm doing now based off of what I did at Georgia Tech and the name and the brand that I built. That's a unique way to look at it. I think uh, rather than just give, I've asked that question to a couple other athletes and they'll say, oh no, I made the right decision or, oh no, I, if I could go back, I'd probably do that. And I think that's a real unique way to look at it of saying, you know, I'm grateful for everything I have, but you know, who knows what could have happened, but I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for the decision I made. So very uh, applause to you for having that kind of looking back and having that hindsight to see everything you accomplished and see where it's got you today. But let's talk about those accomplishments because you just referenced the records. And I think it's safe to say, um, growing up watching you and watching you play Georgia Tech, you have to be one of the more electrifying players I've watched in the ACC in the past five, ten years. The excitement and just the energy and the athleticism you brought to the table was superb you hold records in rushing yards by a quarterback in a single game rushing touchdowns in a single game for Georgia Tech you consistently were just I would have to say one of if not the best athlete on the field for the Georgia Tech team what what was your time at Georgia Tech like in terms of I know you just kind of talked about it a little bit in what you accomplished but what was it like in terms of the march to that success and then having that level of success um, it was, I mean, it was a process in the beginning. It was stressful. I know coming in as a freshman, I, I didn't, I wasn't playing quarterback at the time. So it was a little, uh, it was stressful in a sense of, you know, putting a lot of pressure on myself because I told myself when I come in, I said, I want to play as a true freshman. So I put a lot of pressure on myself that summer when we first got in trying to pick up on the playbook and learning how the sit system worked and just trying to put on some weight because I think I was com- coming out of high school I was probably a buck 67 wow. soaking wet <laughs> so that's not a lot of, that's not a lot of weight going to to play in power five where guys are way bigger than that so I tried to put on some weight that summer I think I got to like 185 before going into camp um and but it was just the trans the transition process of not really have anyone on your back to tell you to go to bed and stuff like that, that you don't really take into account because it started to eat me up my freshman year. Cause I started getting hurt a lot. 
So I spent more time, you know, trying to get my injuries right than I was, you know what I'm saying, being able to focus on other mm-hmm. things field-wise. Like, don't get me wrong, I played in nine games my freshman year and lettered. Um, so that that was definitely a huge accomplishment. Um, but it was a little stressful my freshman year because I wasn't playing as much as I wanted to because part of the reason was I was literally always hurt. Something was always nagging me or I was always hurt where I wasn't able to play really to the best of my ability. But then, of course, I transitioned to my sophomore year, going into spring ball. They come to me and say, hey, we want to move you to quarterback. I'm like, okay, cool. At first, well, I wouldn't say I was like, okay, cool, because at first I called my dad. and I was like, yeah, dad, I want to move you to quarterback. He's like, what do you think about it? I was like, well, I was really getting comfortable with the position I was in, and I was really starting to really be good at what I was doing. And he was like, well, you know, just see how it goes. He was like, now you're going to go back to your old roots and be able to play quarterback the way you were doing in high school. I was like, yeah, we're going to see it. Well, the rest was history after that because I really started to pick up on the system. My my sophomore year, I uh, was behind Justin Thomas and Matthew Jordan. And Justin Thomas is one of my great friends. He taught me a lot. Um, Matthew did as well. But, of course, my sophomore year, I really was just chilling. Like it was, I really should have redshirted my sophomore year, but, of course, I didn't really know how the rules worked then. They didn't redshirt me. And then I ended up playing in, like, two games for a total of maybe seven snaps. Or really, I could have redshirted and had an extra year, but that's a conversation for another day. But um, <laughs> I uh, transitioned to quarterback, and then sophomore season went by. So then I knew, okay, basically they had told us it was going to be open competition for the starting job going into my junior year, and I knew that we would once they can't drop the schedule. I knew it would be open up in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which hadn't been built yet. It was still being built. Mercedes-Benz against Tennessee, who was a top 25 team. And I, I kind of marked my calendar and said, okay, this is what I want for myself. I want to be able to be named the starter for this game so I can showcase my ability and talent on a national level. So that, that whole offseason, I grinded really hard in the weight room. I grinded really hard in film, watched extra film, studied the playbook. Um, just really honed in on knowing the system. So that way, when it came time to be on the field, it was just me using my natural ability to just go and play. So I wasn't really thinking too much. So then camp came, balled out during camp, and obviously won the job. And the rest was history after that. I mean, stardom came really quick. I went from being a guy that only people in my town knew about and people on my team knowing about to everyone in the country knowing about me and literally one night. So it was, it was fun. Like I I really enjoyed it. It never really got to my head like that. I've always been pretty humble and I'm, I'm pretty laid back and and pretty low key. So uh, it it wasn't, it wasn't really anything crazy to me, but just because I knew the way I played was just me playing ball. Like it's the same thing I did when I was in high school I just had fun and I was just out there playing ball. It wasn't it wasn't anything else to it. And I'm I'm a winner. So I want I want to win. So I'm going to go out there and put everything on the line every single game. And that's just kind of the approach that I took my my junior year and going into my senior year, but as far as like the the stardom of it, it wasn't really anything that was a big deal to me. I mean, of course, I, I people recognize me a lot more um off the field than they did beforehand, but it, it wasn't really that much of a big deal for me. So let's talk about that night when you 
went to bed after putting on an incredible performance against the Tennessee Volunteers to then waking up the next morning and being a superstar in the college football landscape. What was that game like that night? And then what was it like kind of waking up the next morning and going, oh my God, I knew we played well. I knew we put up an incredible game. But I mean, what was it like waking up and going, I'm a star now in terms of, I obviously you talked about your humble aspect of it, but in terms of how did you handle that quick 180? Yeah, it was, oh, well, I, I'm going to give you a little inside scoop. A, a lot of people don't know this except for some of my close friends, but man, bef- before that game, one of my, one of my teammates, two, actually two of my teammates, one played for App State at the time. And then of course my, my good friend, Tate Crowder, he went to UGA. Um, they were playing each other the first game of the season, which was on a Saturday. We played on a Monday. We had practice, I think, that that Saturday morning at Tech. We had practice right before our Monday game. So this this is a little inside scoop. So me and my boys, we we were like, man, let's go see, let's go let's go to Athens so we can see Tay and we can see his his name is AJ Howard and see AJ Howard play. They were playing a seven o'clock night game. Mm-hmm. So we went to Athens that night, and I don't know if you've been to Athens, but it's. <laughs> It's a good time. So we ended up staying out really late. I was probably up to maybe four in the morning. Wow. And I think I had to be back in Atlanta by like one, one or two o'clock Sunday to go to the hotel. So just to give you a brief overview, man, I had lost my voice from my night in Athens. So all so all Monday, well, Sunday it was okay, but then Monday morning I woke up my whole voice was gone so i'm like man i have no idea i'm gonna be able to talk during the game um especially if it's the game was sold out and mercedes-benz holds like 75 70 to seventy-five thousand people so i'm like man i have no idea how i'm gonna be able to scream so literally my teammates were like man don't talk the rest they like don't talk the rest of the day until we get to the game so i'm like okay cool so of course going into that game my nerves were super high um my nerves have always been high before all games, even in high school. Like I, I just had this butterfly feeling in my stomach where it's like, okay, I got to at least get hit or run a couple plays or something before that feeling goes away. So that was, a, it was the same thing in college before every game. It didn't matter who we were playing. I just had this butterfly feeling. And then of course the first series happened and I was good to go. And then the, of course the game happened, but the next day, well, really, after the game, they were telling me in my press conference, they were like, yeah, you broke this record, this record. And, and it really hadn't dawned on me yet. I was like, man, I was still upset the fact that we had lost the game because we should have won. We were up, I think, 14 points in the fourth quarter with like six minutes left. And it's like, how do you how do you lose that lead? But um, it hadn't even dawned on me that I had, you know, ran for that many touchdowns. I had no idea. I was just at, at that point, I was just running, had run for that many yards. And then the next morning, of course, man, my phone was blowing up. My social media was blowing up. Um, it's kind of like one of those things as a kid that you you kind of envision. You're like, man, if I have a big game playing at this big school, this and this is going to happen. And you kind of envision that. And that it actually happened. And it was just, I was just like, wow, I can't believe all these people know who I am. And then I just, I had my wow moment for like 10 minutes, 
to myself and then, you know, me and my parents talking, they were just like, you had an amazing game. And then just walking around campus, um, a lot of people came up to me, just congratulated me on, on a great game, professors. So it was, it was just a surreal moment where you, you're finally like, ah, like you can breathe and you can be like, okay, I, I know, like I officially know that I can play this level because I just dominated last night. So that's, that's kind of how it was for me. It, it And then after that, it was the rest of it was like, okay, now that I put up this phenomenal performance in week one, I got to try to cons- try to stay consistent and put up, you know, and try to be the best me I can be every game. So the night before the biggest game of your life, well, not even the night before, two nights before the biggest game of your life, and then the day of the biggest game of your life, you were on vocal rest like an actor or a singer when you're combine that with your nerves being on a thousand, if not higher, because you're playing in a sold-out Mercedes-Benz Stadium against a top 25 team, and then put on the performance of your life. That's the kind of thing they write movies about. That's insane. Yeah, it, was, it was it was crazy because I definitely shouldn't have been up that late two nights before the game. And then, of course, nights before a game, I, I cannot sleep to save my life. I mean, we had games that we always played early, so we had 12 o'clock games. And I kid you not, I probably wouldn't fall asleep good until probably about 3.30 in the morning. And then we'd have to be up around like 7, 7.30. So that's only like, what, four hours of sleep? Mm-hmm. I would be running on four hours of sleep before a three and a half hour game, which was always, I don't know, it was, it was crazy. But yeah, that's that's the stuff right there that people write about. That's insane. And if this, if I had CBD PM as a sponsor, this would be a good time to uh, plug that. But man, that's that's crazy that you running on four hours of sleep for some of the games, and then the fact that you, that's just an insane story. But I want to talk a little more about that career at Georgia Tech. Obviously, this game was an insane one. But looking at the rest of your time at tech is there another game that sticks out to you as one of your favorites uh i can always go to my to our florida state game freshman year with the kick six it was uh, that was crazy and then i would after that of course it's the tennessee game then i would probably have to go to my senior year we had two back-to-back games i'm pretty sure at home one was a whiteout against miami it was a night game Man, it was it was live like every, it was it was freezing. But man, the stadium was jumping. Really enjoyed that game. And then my senior night against Virginia, we went into I think it might have been double OT my senior year against Virginia, and it was that's probably one one for the books right there. Just to to go out with a block field goal and double OT to win the game it was crazy it was a great way to go out for my last home game at Bobby Dodd that's awesome awesome um going into that senior season you were someone who was heavily anticipated and talked about as a potential Maxwell award finalist um looking that far ahead I guess in all of that, and then with all of the hype that came off of the year you had in your junior season when you put on a absolute show, what were those expectations like kind of trying to manage them, not even just going into that senior season, but game by game following just a 
great, great performance that had been that opening game. Yeah, yeah. well, I had put a lot of pressure on myself. To uh, I set the bar high for myself and said, okay, this is what I want to do this year for myself, but not only for myself, but for this team. Um, I want to be able to go out and perform the best way I can every single game. So that's kind of the bar I set for myself. And I think sometimes I think back and I'm like, I don't know why I put so much pressure on myself because it sometimes it allowed me, well, it didn't allow me to play the way I could play and be free while I'm playing, if that makes any sense. But um, yeah, it, def- it definitely just puts a, you, you having, you have an eye on you at all times, especially when you play quarterback for a power five school. It doesn't matter what you do on and off the field. People are always going to be looking to criticize you or talk about you in any kind of way. So that's just kind of how it was my senior year. Um, if, if I didn't perform the way everyone thought I should perform, then I was going to hear about it. And, and, and it sucked because not only was I, I, I was already hard on myself as it is, but on top of that, I was hearing it from people who, some people who probably haven't ever played the game at that high of a level, better yet, have played the game in general. But um, so that that part of it is definitely tough. When you were growing up, looking back at you, you know how you developed as a player, and a lot of I guess uniqueness comes with this question given how you know you played a little receiver and then quarterback and then ultimately found your home as a receiver for going into the spring league and whatnot with all the position switches and whatnot in your career was there still I guess a player or an athlete you tried to model your game after yeah growing growing up the I I feel like the only reason I played quarterback is because of Michael Vick I literally love watching Mike Vick play. Um, just seeing him run around and just make plays out of nothing. I feel like I used to do that a bunch in my game and in rec league, but especially in high school. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I used to watch uh, game clips from high school, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I just ran backwards 30 yards and ran forward 50 and got a first down plus some, or run back 20 yards and then run forward 60 for a touchdown so it's like that stuff that Mike Vick would do he would run around or run back 20 yards throw the ball 30 or some stuff like that and I feel like I kind of just that he's one of the main reasons I really enjoyed playing quarterback and then I kind of modeled my game after him but then of course you have people as you're growing up like Johnny Menzel or your Tim Tebow's um, your Cam Newton's that you when you're playing that position you're like okay I want to I want to take a piece of everyone's game and kind of put it in the mind and make it my own. So that's kind of what I did as a QB. That's really, really cool. Um, going back to um, some of the guys you just listed there, you know, the Cam Newtons, the Johnny Manziel, and of course the Michael Vick, uh, a lot of mobility in the way they played the game. And obviously that's a trait with the way you played the game 
And, you know, one thing about that, especially transitioning to the NFL, but even in the college level, is you can get labeled as that option quarterback or that option, you know, I called you a Swiss Army knife in the open, but that kind of piece in an offense, kind of like the today's Taysom Hill. Do you think that that ultimately ended up hurting you trying to go towards the next level? Um, I think maybe a little bit just because of the system and I, I don't get me wrong I think if you're in that system um certain certain positions I feel like can shine really really well but then for me someone like me who was played played against some of the best competition in the country every every season and you know playing in the power five making a transition from a triple option quarterback, which is almost like another running back in any other system, you know what I mean? Um, making that to a receiver, a lot of scouts and things like that, they knew that I was an athlete and knew that how I performed with the ball in my hands. But then now they want to see, okay, what can he catch the ball? Can he actually run routes? So I think that that piece of it um, kind of hurt me because a lot of people knew that I was athletic. They just didn't know if I would be able to do some of the things that these receivers do for four years, if I would be able to just make that transition and do it at the highest level there is. Well, now looking at where you stand today and everything you're doing with TM Elite Performance and the 7-on-7, you've kind of found a new outlet with it being coaching. How have you liked the transition from playing to coaching, and is that the route you think you're going to take with the future now? Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed it. Um, Starting TM Elite 7-on-7 was just something that I thought of literally in February and put it together in March. Now we've played in, I don't know, maybe four tournaments, four or five tournaments. But just give, wanted to give athletes around this local area an opportunity to showcase their talent and play against, you know, guys that they, they deem four or five stars to show them, like, hey, you guys are just as talented. You know, we might not just – we might not have the resources like some of these schools have, but you guys are just as talented as these four and five stars. Um I've really enjoyed coaching. I enjoy giving my knowledge to, to to the guys that are younger than me that want to play where I've already played. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think this is something that I could see myself doing down the line. Now, and just a couple more questions here before we close out. One of the biggest headlines in the NFL right now has been the addition of Tim Tebow to the roster for the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end. And it's kind of been played as a contrast between Kaepernick and Tebow. As someone who, you know, fought for every opportunity they got at just about every level and was a superb athlete who switched positions. One, how do you think Tim Tebow is going to fare as a tight end? And then two, what are your thoughts on this situation? Um, I think, well, they say quarterbacks have some of the best hands. So I don't think him catching the ball will be an issue. Um, I don't, he, he's, his IQ is up there. He played quarterback. Um, he's played in some big games at quarterback in the NFL, so I don't think his IQ or learning the system will be any type of issue. Um, 
I don't know. I just I just got to see him play a tight end. I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad move, but I do know marketing wise, it's a it's a phenomenal move. Um, if they're trying to bring more money into their stadium, um, bring in ticket sales, jersey sales, things like that, I think it's a phenomenal move because the NFL is not only about you know these guys going out there and and playing on on Sundays a lot of it is marketing as well and I feel like if if teams bring in the right pieces to be able to help market their team like Tim Tebow everybody knows who Tim Tebow is now that Tim Tebow has attached Jacksonville Jaguars to his name like a lot of people are gonna be like "Mm, I want to go see Jacksonville play just because Tim Tebow is one of my favorite players Tim Tebow might not even touch the field you know what I mean but they're going to go to the game and they're going to buy a ticket just because Tim Tebow's on the team. So um, in that sense, marketing-wise, I think it's a phenomenal move. As a tight end, I'm not sure. I have to see, have to see him play. Um, and I think that just kind of leads into why he's why he is playing over Colin Kaepernick right now. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a very controversial topic to get into. I mean, I, I like Colin. I think Colin should have gotten a shot uh, a while back, but until, of course, some of the recent um, recent things that we've had and have had in this country, you know, Roger Goodell and the NFL have just basically reached out and apologized, and that was just last year, basically saying like, "Hey, we see what you were trying to do back in, you know, what I'm saying, whenever it was. It might have been 2014. I can't remember how long Colin's been out the league, but." Um, like okay we see what you were trying to do now but it's almost like it's it's too late um i I don't like as much as i would love to see colin kaepernick get back in the league i don't think it would happen but with what colin is doing as an activist and what he's doing in the community um i i think what he did while he was in the nfl has has branded and marketed him that will take care of him for the rest of his life so I'd agree on that. And I also think the impact he's making off the field has kind of come to a point where it's almost surpassing what he was able to do on the field, although he was an exceptional athlete, which is... Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think when you're at that point, it's almost hard to go back, especially, you know, they said the Broncos offered him a spot as a backup. And to go to that point where you aren't necessarily having the impact on the field that you are having off the field. I think it's tough. So I think with Tebow, it's the marketing thing. And I think it's also, you know, he's a locker room guy and a high IQ guy, as you touched on. So I think it's a it's a wait and see mode for that. And I think it shouldn't be as much of a contrast, but I of a, the two of them, because they're both doing exceptional things for their community and hopefully on the field for uh, Tim shortly. It'd be cool to see him have some success again. But Before we close out here, one of the questions I ask every guest who comes on this show, and it's a big one, so take all the time you need. When you're all, when it's all said and done, and you look back at your life, what do you, Taekwon Marshall, want your legacy to be? Hmm, That is a really good question. Um, for me, I don't, I don't want my legacy to all be about sports. Um, I don't want like, of course, I would love, you know, to, for people to brag about, you know, how good of an athlete I was. But for me, it's more a character 
and person thing. Like I, I want, I want my legacy to be. Oh, his character was, you know, up to par. His character was this. His character was that. Uh, he was a people person. He was very friendly. Um, he got along with everyone. He was a ball of energy. Um, and, and that's that's how I try to carry myself. Now uh, I want people to be able to gravitate towards me um, because of my energy and and the energy I give off. So as far as legacy goes, I mean, I would love for people to to when they when they say to Quan Marshall to just talk about how good of a person I was because I think at the end of the day, you know, the sports and all the accolades, all that stuff is good, but if someone that really think you're a good person and all that, you know, the, some of that stuff just goes out the window. That's, that's what they're going to remember you as. They're going to remember you as, Oh, well, he did X, Y, and Z, especially if it's something that someone doesn't like, they're going to be like, Oh, he did X, Y, and Z, you know, but if you, if you try to ride that straight and narrow line of, you know, having that good character, having a good personality, just being a people person, I think people will remember you for, for a long time, just being a bubbly person. And that's kind of how like, for one of my old teammates who passed away, I think it might have been, it's either a year and a half or two years ago. Um, like, he he only got to play football to, up until maybe junior, I think junior year. He was a junior when he passed. And it's like, you know, he played football all the way up until then. But people don't really, when when people say Brandon Adams, they don't think of, oh, well, let's, let's try to remember what Brandon did on the field. It's all about. Oh, well, he was this bubbly person. He had a great personality. He'd make you laugh. He'd light up the room when he come in. And that's kind of the things you want, you know, you want people to to say about you when 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 it's all said and done and you leave a legacy. So that's that's it for me. That's an incredible perspective and I don't even have much I can add on to that. That's a really, really great perspective and ties into the Kaepernick thing we we're just talking about, about the legacy you leave off the field. And it's great that that's what you're devoted to. Uh, Taquan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It's You're one of the most electrifying athletes, I'd say, in ACC history, and to sit down with you has been absolutely awesome. Before we close out here, I do want to give you the opportunity to plug everything you're doing with TM Lee, the 7-on-7 stuff, and even your personal socials. So the red carpet's out. The floor is yours. Plug away, good sir. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Marshall 16 it's Q-U-O-N Marshall 16 Marshall's with two L's you can follow my team account with at TM Elite 707 um, you can also follow my performance page TM Elite underscore performance um, uh, I think that's pretty much all my socials that I really use the most so yeah you guys can give me a follow ladies and gentlemen that was the electrifying the incomparable Taekwon Marshall. Thanks again, Taekwon. Appreciate for having me. My thanks once again to Taekwon for taking the time to come on. What a phenomenal story. He really just rose to fame overnight and then ran with it. He's doing some great things with the 7-on-7 camp right now, and it's only going to get better. He's truly devoted himself to this, but he's also devoted himself to just being a great man on and off the field. Really enjoyed our conversation, and I can't wait to see all the phenomenal work Taekwon does in the future. If you liked more of these conversations, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, that being Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, 
Anchor. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, which happens to be one of our most primary sites um, for listening. So always appreciate the listens wherever you listen, however you listen, and whenever you listen. I cannot thank you guys enough for the continued support. You know, we just came off a long break, and it feels phenomenal to be back. Um, Truthfully, a lot of things in my life are changing. I'm preparing to go through a massive, massive change in my life and graduate high school and to be going through all of this and managing the podcast and for the first time after 100 episodes taking a month off has been kind of needed but surreal um i haven't really taken too many breaks off in this time of doing the podcast and it was great to have this refresher taekwon and i filmed this last week i've edited it and pushed it out and it's just been great to kind of be back in the swing of things and start moving into the summer and pushing out content for you guys to listen wherever you choose to listen to that, whether it be on the beach, whether that be in the office as our life returns back to normal. I cannot thank you enough for listening and continuing to support me and truly, truly incredibly thankful. And I hope you guys all have a phenomenal week. And as always, stay ambitious.